The resurrecting power, the resurrecting power is resurrecting me. What is it that you need that God can resurrect in you? What is the place that you envision yourself and you see yourself, but you wonder how you're going to get there? I want to to make a quick announcement. In a week and a half, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, I need all the members here because we're going to make a decision on on buying the property. He's agreed to a price, and it came down a whole lot from from the first price that he gave us. And uh, we're going to make a decision on this 20 acres back here in the back. And uh, hopefully we'll go through with it. Amen. So be in prayer about it. Thank you, Paul. Man, resurrecting power. You think about all the things in your life. If there's really an area, let me just start off with, I was once young. And uh, my wife and I was both really, actually a really young couple one time. We were 25 and she was 24 when we got married and and uh, we, we went through a lot of things and experienced a lot of things and, and had a lot of hardships. I know she thought that she, she was marrying somebody when she first started dating me that had a little money, but realized after we started dating, I didn't have any. And then we, uh, we got married in the middle of our college semesters. And um, you remember the story about her throwing the cornflakes box at me? And shoving me in the water heater in a house. That was just the beginning of a marriage spats in the, in the beginning. But now she, we don't, she never throws cereal. Never. Out of the box, in the box, she doesn't throw milk at me. She doesn't do anything. She's learned to, to adjust to the way I am, I guess. But let me tell you, many of you would like to see God do a lot of things in your life. We all would. But many times, we are the reason he doesn't do things in our life. See, we're going to talk about stewardship this morning. And I can go back about 30 years. And uh, I remember when we were working at uh, Teen Challenge. I've talked to the client about this story before. But as we were about to leave there, I got a job. And and a guy offered me about $14,000 a year. And I thought I had arrived. I thought, man... $14,000 $14,000 is a lot of money here. Yeah. Did you all know, I heard Stephen Furtick say this once. One of his kids went up to him and said, hey, Dad, is $50,000 a lot of money? He goes, yes, it is a lot until you make it. You make $70,000, that's a lot, until you make it. And you seem to find ways to spend money. Well, we were making a... I had two kids, and I had a third one we just born. We're making fourteen thousand a year in uh, in Jackson, Missouri. We lived in a little white house beside First uh, First Baptist Church, a big nice church there. And they had this little bitty podunk house sitting down at the end of the parking lot. And when it rained, all the rain would run down their their uh, parking lot, and then we'd run right into our basement. So we had to keep everything on pallets, one or two pallets high. It was great. And I questioned, and I, I questioned. And I hated that my wife is from Jackson. I'm a nobody from eastern Kentucky. Who could care less, you know? Somebody from over there, they expect certain things out of it. It drove me crazy all the time we lived, lived there for about a year. And I couldn't stand that she had to go home to this two-bedroom little house. No offense to anybody, but we had three kids, two bedrooms, 
we just, it was just tight. I didn't realize how tight it was, but it was just tight. But, but let me tell you, those were the years that we were sowing. We were proving that stewardship is so important. A lot of you want God to work in your life. You want miracles in your life. And you're in your 20s and 30s, and you think, oh, man, I'm, I'm never going to have anything. Let me tell you. If you don't learn to sow when times are hard, you will never sow and you will never be faithful when times become different. And in your life, wherever you are, regardless of whatever you may be going through and what you may be thinking about at times in your life, at this time in your life, you've got to remain faithful to your stewardship. Your stewardship is the most critical part about who you are as a person. Sowing the right things into your life being faithful to him, it's a whole lot of, of, of decisions, a whole lot of information that we need to go through our mind. It needs to be father-filtered. It does. I can tell you that for the, for the first several years that we were married, it wasn't easy. It wasn't. But I can tell you this. It sure pays to be faithful. It didn't happen the first five years we were married. We were faithful in our giving for five years, and then poof, everything happened different. It didn't happen like that. We, we, were, we were faithful in our giving the first 10 years of our marriage, and everything poof, it, did, it just didn't happen. We just we continued to pay our tithe and continued to give where we felt led to and, and the importance of it. But stewardship was, was never a part of our life that wasn't there. It was always there. Now, there were certain areas that, that we need to improve on and that we can do better in. And I, I'll give you one. For instance, uh, Nick brought this, so said this to me a couple weeks ago. I forgot that I ever spoke a sermon on this. You can look at a person's closet and tell a lot about them. You can look at a person's closet and tell a whole lot about them. Now, I want you in your mind to get a visual image of your closet some of you would like to get rid of that image as soon as it comes in there. But I can tell you, I may not be the most organized person in this world, but way back then, what was it, seven years ago or something? I don't know what had happened, but some spoke to me that I needed to get my closet in order. Sounds, sounds weird. You look at my closet now, every pair of shoes are, unless the kids have been in there playing hide and seek, but, but every pair of shoes are in their spot, they're at a certain place. Every, all my closet, all my jackets are hung here, all my uh, pullovers and sweatshirts are hung there, and all my buttons ups are down here. I don't know why. You can go look at my truck, it isn't spotless. It isn't terrible, but it isn't spotless. You can go out there and look at the farm, and it's a work in process. But there's something about being faithful. The stewardship has great rewards when you pay into it and you work into it and it becomes part of your nature. And I, I really want to stress that it has to become part of your nature. Something about you, when it comes to giving and it comes to, you get paid and you write your check, the first check you write, you write the tithe to the church. Let me tell you, for years I have sat and struggled with talking about this in front of our church, in front of other places I've been. The Lord told me about two or three weeks ago that you're, you're shortchanging your young couples. A lot of you older people have figured it out, haven't you, Linda and, and Alan? You, you understand the, the importance of giving. But when you're young, it's when you need to invest it in your life. 
And I don't talk about giving a lot. I don't take pride in it at all. I just, just nothing I really like to talk about. But there's a lot of you, you're not going to hear about why you give and the purpose of giving and how being good stewards are, is very credible in the eyes of God. And I would hate to think that you've been in church for a year, two, three years now, and you've never heard a message on being a steward. And it falls on one person's shoulders. It falls on mine. Good stewardship. I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about being a good steward. It's the ability to manage or take care of someone else's property. Ability to manage it, take care of it. Treat it better than it's yours. How would you say your stewardship is? Individually, how would you say your stewardship is? The area of our self, our priorities, discipline, choices, management. Let me give you some of Dave Ramsey quotes. We buy things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. I'm going to say that again because that really speaks true to my heart. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress those people we don't like. If, if, if you live like no other, later you can live like no one else. That's when it really, when I went through his class uh, several years ago, it really stuck into my mind. Act your wage. Act your wage. You may not understand that yet. Act your W-A-G-E, wage. If you're making $30,000 a year, you shouldn't have a truck. It costs thirty-five. But you want it. It doesn't matter if you want it. It's discipline. It's stewardship of what you do have. If you're making $500 a week, you should figure out and live within the means that you have. Pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. A budget is telling your money. I think this is so good. A budget is you telling your money what to do instead of wondering where it went. You must gain control over your money or the lack of it will forever control you. For your own good, for the good of your family, for your future. This is something I would have spoke several years ago and I'll say it again this morning. For your own good and for the good of your family and for your future, grow a backbone. Grow a backbone. What does that mean? I mean, it's a little bit of self-restraint, a little bit of discipline in your life. Winning that money is 80% winning that money is 80% behavior and 20% head knowledge. Only 20% does it take about a real plan in each of your lives. I'm talking about money right now. I'm gonna get out of money. We're gonna go to, go to how we live. What to do isn't the problem. Doing it is. Most of us know what to do. We just don't do it. If you can control the guy in the mirror. 
I can be skinny and I can be rich. A budget is, telling, is people telling their money where to go instead of wondering where it went. The enemy of the best is, is the... Skip that one. Leave it go. Okay. That's his... his, his how many of you ever went to Dave Ramsey class? Only a few of us. Maybe we need to do that on a Sunday night sometime. Just have a, a series of... Because there's so much importance. You know... How many here, if you're married, if you ever think back to a lot of times when you have stress in your household and the man becomes irritable or becomes quiet, won't talk, and the wife becomes maybe irritable in other ways, and she begins to stress her opinion, it usually has something to do with money. How many here has ever had a problem with money in your life? What have you done about the money in your life? Have you sit down to rules and you have a, a preface of what you want to accomplish? In the beginning, God created everything for a purpose. And every person in this room, I don't care how bad you have it right now financially. I don't know if you've got, you may have three credit cards maxed out. My, my wife and I have had family that have, have had debts that's out of this world and, and keep getting credit cards to pay the debt off and, and don't know, don't see an end in sight and, and they get more miserable, more, more miserable. From the, from the beginning, the creation, God has created man to be a steward. Before there was ever a JCPenney card or a Macy's card or a MasterCard, Discover, or, or Visa, or whatever, it goes back to the garden. I'll give you go in your Bibles to ch chapter 2 of Genesis. Chapter 2 of Genesis. Verse 8. Verse 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden in the east in a place called Eden, and he put the man he had formed into it. And the Lord caused every tree to be beautiful, and every tree from, for good, was good for food, for good for food to grow out of the ground. And in the middle of the garden, God put the, God put the tree that gives life and also that gives knowledge of good and evil. So he created this something, and this is before he even had man, he had this garden. It was just producing its like kind of fruit, and, and it, was, it was mist come up from the earth every day, and it didn't have to have rain. And, and so everything was just tranquil and beautiful and great. Go over to chapter 3. In chapter, in verse 7. Then, as if it were their eyes were open, they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig trees together, and they made their... Covering for themselves. Then they heard the Lord walking in the garden during the cool part of the day, and the man and his wife hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called unto man and said unto him, Where are you? And the man, I'm going to stop there for just a second. Um, how long had Adam been in this garden? How long had he been there and lived there? How long? Was it just a couple of days? No. Was it a couple of weeks? No. Was it a couple of months? No. It's probably years. He lived in a garden and God took notice. Man, man's missing something. So it wasn't that he didn't know what to do with it and he knew how to take care of it. He knew which, he knew which trees provide, needed the most moisture and, and just whatnot. 
there was something about him being there. He was uncomfortable in his surroundings. But then you introduce his wife. I'm not, I'm not picking on the women at all. But you introduce Eve. Verse 10. The man answered, and I heard you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God asked him, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat of the tree? Fruit of the tree, which I commanded you not. And the next verse, we know it's a classic thing that he said. The man said, this, your woman, no, sorry, you gave gave this woman to me, and she gave it to me from the tree, so I ate it. Amazing how easy we can begin to not manage things once once, the way we once were. I'm going to slow down for just a second and get my talking under control. Always before until he got Eve, he managed things right. And he brought one more person to the mix of things and began to compromise. What is it about becoming sluggish in our responsibilities? He knew better. He stopped managing and he started letting his guard down. When we neglect management, listen, I hope I speak some hope to some of you young people. And maybe some of the older ones as well. When you neglect management, we're allowing compromise to enter in where there once was discipline. There's been a lot of people I know from a distance and a lot of people I've known up close. They have constant friction in their marriage and in their life itself because of poor decisions on their finances. It is from a lack of discipline a lack, this isn't a fun message, I know, I know it isn't, but it's very true. You've got to have discipline to, to have this order in your life. Management or stewardship, we like Adam. We were given a plan. God, there has been a plan in each of your lives. I didn't know back when I was young in my 20s and I was at Teen Challenge and then after Teen Challenge I worked for G&D Communications. I didn't know that that God was gonna bring us back to Missouri and, and, and bring us to this church. But I learned something a long time ago from my mom and dad. You always give. You're always faithful. You maintain and you become a steward of everything you have. You're responsible for that. We didn't get, I'll tell you, we eat out probably about as much as anybody in here, and it's just ridiculous. We're gonna stop, okay. And, uh, and back then, we did not eat out. We did not eat out because we couldn't eat out. I, I remember we would save up, we would save enough money from work at Teen Challenge that, that once or twice, I guess it's twice a month, we could go to McDonald's and buy a Happy Meal for the kids. We didn't eat. We didn't eat. It's not a big deal to us, it's a bigger deal to watch our kids get to enjoy a Happy Meal and play in the McDonald's play place. That seems kind of lame now. Man, Jackson just opened a, a, a new kids' place when we were our kids were little. Big air for them to run and play, and we could just sit back and, and just watch and think how pleasant they were. Not. And... Uh, Every one of us have to deal with it without stewardship being neglect. What happens to something when it's neglected? What happens to something when it's neglected? What happens to a spouse when it's neglected? A wife is neglected, 
The husband is neglected. When the kids are neglected, what happens to those things? If you neglect your wife, she will find her resources in another place. If you neglect your husband, your husband will find his resources in another place. You have a responsibility. You may not control all the money. You not, may not make the money. You may stay home or you may work all the time and your wife may make more than you. It doesn't matter. You cannot afford to let neglect come into your family, into your life. As a believer, and go back to Genesis 1 and move it on. In his life, everything was about stewardship. Go to Proverbs, if you will, chapter 24. Talking about neglect for just a second. Neglecting things personally, your property, your finances, relationships, and you're spiritually being neglectful. Every one of these things that we allow and not take care of the way we should are going to have a, a, weird, a weird outcome. Proverbs 24. Verse 30. Proverbs 24. I may have said 34. 24 and verse 30. I passed by a lazy person's field and by a vineyard of someone with no sense. Thorns had grown up everywhere and the ground was covered with weeds and the stone walls had fallen down. I thought that I thought about what I had seen, and I learned this lesson from what I saw. You sleep a little, and you take a little nap. You fold your hands, and you lie down to rest, and soon you will be as poor as if you had been robbed. You will have little as if you had been held up. It all starts with a little bit of slumber, a little bit of rest, a little bit of neglect. When I had my stroke two years ago, they said, um, well, do you smoke? No. Do you drink? No. Do you, or you have high cholesterol? No. Do you have high blood pressure? No. Do you have something else? And I said, no. And they said, we don't know why you had a stroke. And I said, well, I don't need that. That's why I'm here. And that's why they charged me $27,000 because I was there. You know what they told me? It's something my wife brings up a lot. They told me in the mornings. You cannot have certain things to eat anymore, like Pepsi, potato chips. Fried taters are no different, are they? You have fried forget it. Uh, but I had to start thinking a little differently. And I've allowed a lot of things back in my life, but there's no box of zingers at a time. There's not a whole box of, of those Lay's stacks, potato chips at a time. There's a whole lot of things I have a little disciplines in my life because if I don't, I could end up with the same things happening again. I think every one of us haven't expected in what we dream we could become and what we could see happen in the next few years. But if you don't have the stewardship to handle things right, you will never, ever achieve, and you'll always live a frustrated life. You think this was the only area that this guy was a poor manager in? 
His whole garden overgrown, overgrown with weeds and thorns. It probably wasn't the only thing. It was probably if you looked at, went to his house and you looked at everything he had, everything he went to, nothing. Which once had great value, now it has no value. Nobody going by his property said, oh, man, I wish I had it. Look how he takes care of it. Look how he, he takes care of everything he has. Look at his garden or his, or his vineyard, if you will. If you ever watch uh, Andy Griffith much, there's this one guy who comes into the jail, and he just lets himself into jail, and his name is... Otis, from the outside, looking at Otis, all we ever seen Otis in the, in, the, in the Andy Griffith show is that he's a drunk, and he lets himself in, and when he sobers up, he lets himself out of the jail. Now, I don't know about you, but I have had visual images of what I expect him to live in. What do you think his house is like? What do you think his car is like? He probably doesn't have one. What was his house probably like? Run, de- run down, dirty, neglected? Simply because he didn't take care of anything that he had, and he became the town drunk. His stewardship was lacking. In this scripture, his stewardship was lacking. Was he damned? I said, was he damned? Was he destroyed? Was there no hope left for him? Many of you in your life, in this season of your life, where things are tight and you have maybe made some bad decisions... And you've done some things that you shouldn't have done financially. Maybe you've maxed out a couple of credit cards and, and you think, well, I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do that. It's going to take a little while. But you will, if you will bring stewardship into your life, you will get control of that. And then you eliminate one at a time. And as you eliminate them, you're able to live in a little bit of peace. And you have better direction in your life. The easiest thing for him to do when he, when he think about when things get really bad is just quit and just let it go, and that's probably what had happened to this property. What was the hardest thing to do? Starting over. Yeah, maybe you've made a mess. Maybe being a pathetic example to your kids. Maybe being a poor example to your wife and to your husband. Maybe you've been a bad example to your parents who try to teach you and show you certain things, but you're a bad example to them too. But today's the day you need to start getting things together. The hardest thing for this man to do was to start doing it now. He didn't have a lot of resources, but he did without a lot of the other things we think we need to have. It's amazing how many times, how often. We think things are important that we get ourselves in so much debt and, and overload with, with so much junk. And then we live, after we get into it, we think, well, why did I even do this? I, I should have known better. And we all should know better. But we do things sometimes because we are competing or, or whatever it may be. It will take some time to restore what, what we have allowed to slip through our fingers. Start eliminating the smallest debt and move on from there. Go to Luke chapter 16.
Growing up, my dad always had service stations, and, and I remember the end, the last couple of years, my dad had the ones I was the ones I was running, actually. Uh, he had a, people come in to get stuff on credit. And um, because my father trusted people. Would I trusted them? Probably not. Some of them. I remember one guy in particular, his name was Jim. He's the little guy who was on a fixed income. He was raising grandkids, and he had overalls. He always wore his overalls. And I see him come into our station, and we give him gas on credit. He'd sign a ticket, and we'd give him his copy. And I took a copy and put it where it needed to go. And, and but I remember going to the bank one day, and I see him uptown at Coca Lane, another gas station, getting gas. And it ran all over me. How dare him buy gas somewhere else? We got a charge account for him. But my dad, his wisdom, now do I. You're acting like a woman. Not really. <laughs> I was wrong. I, no, I ain't going to say it. Right. Uh, it aggravated me that he would take our money and, and, and get his gas and come in every month to pay for it. But the reason my dad always gave him credit is that he always paid his bill. He may have got some from us and from some up, up there or something like that. I don't know his details, but every month when he get paid, he'd come to our, our station and write the check and pick up all his tickets and pay for them. He learned trust. Have you learned trust? Trust one another, but can God really trust you in what you have? Let me ask you this. Do you trust him that he's a provider? We say that, but we don't always act like it. Trust, reliability, truth, ability, someone's strength. In Luke 16, verse 10, if you go there. Whoever can be trusted with a little can also be trusted with a lot. And whoever is Dishonest with a little is dishonest with a lot. If you, can, if you cannot trust, if you cannot be trusted with worldly riches, then who will trust you with true riches? I'm going to say that again. If you cannot be trusted with worldly riches, which had to do with things you can possess in your hands and trust, and you can't be trusted with that, who would trust you with true riches? Who would trust you with your riches? See, that's where I came into play in this conviction part. God's given me a, a, the ability, not the ability to speak, but a platform to speak on. And a lot of people were never hearing that they need to be faithful and able to show stewardship. They've got to show integrity in who they are as a person. I wasn't given an opportunity. I wasn't given an opportunity for people to know that they could give. They could trust God. Can we be trusted with something that does not belong to us? Man, first makes me to no end when you hear somebody say, well, it ain't mine. It ain't my money. It's somebody else's money. I hope that's just something you heard somebody say and you thought it sounded cool. Because if that is the condition of your heart, then you are pathetic. 
If you cannot be trusted with somebody else's money, how, how could God in any way honor you with the ability to make decisions based with money? It doesn't belong to me. Very important. It reflects an inward conflict. Dishonesty, trust, someone else's possessions, divinely, divinely given, but we be suddenly stopped. Opportunities delayed. It isn't my money. I didn't own it. I don't own it. You always hear the, the phrase, drive it like you. What kind of person would steal a car? No comment. But if you've ever, you heard that saying and people say, drive it like you stole it. In other words, it doesn't matter how you treat it. Drive as hard as you can and get away. Last place I'd like you to go is Proverbs 27. You know, a lot of people want to say that there's not a lot in the Bible about uh, trust and about giving and, and being faithful. Man, Luke 16 is a great example of that in the New Testament. I didn't read all my scripture in Luke 16. So I'm going to go back for just a second. You don't have to if you don't want to. You cannot be trusted with things that belong to someone else and who will give you things of your own. And that's, that's where it gets critical. A lot of us, if we don't manage what other people have given us to use, God cannot give us things in our life that we can manage for him. How could you be trusted with that? Okay, I'm going to be candid. There's very few people in here who have lots of money. I'm talking lots of money. I'm talking more than $100. Okay, I'm talking more than $100,000. Okay, I'm talking more than a million dollars. There's just a few, very few. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something in their life that they learned a long time ago about stewardship. I'm going to pick on Brother Cooper for a second. Don't get offended. He said when he first started making money at U.S. Poly, and I've shared this before, he said they made a lot of money. And he said all of a sudden people are coming out of the woodwork, coming to their house, needing help and needing money. And he said, him and Sister Cooper said, and I talk, wait a minute, we got to be better stewards of what God has entrusted us with what we have. He took it personal. He took it as a, a huge responsibility to take care of what he has. And don't just give it out to anybody who comes and asks for it. Now, I'm sure they've, they've had a lot of experience of giving to people and, and doing different things like that. One thing they learned a long time ago is they had to pray about things before they, before they invested in giving to them, other people or other ministries or whatever it is. Just because, let me tell you this, if you only have $100 in your checking account, and you only have $1,000 in your checking account. Sometimes the reason we haven't got attained more is that we haven't proved ourselves worthy of more. There's so much wisdom that has to come with what we have in being stewards unto the Lord. Dishonesty. If you cannot be trusted with things that belong to someone else, who will give you things of your own? 
No servant can serve two masters. Now, Proverbs 27. I want to say something I said a minute ago might have been offensive. A lot of years I was happy if I had $100 in a bank. I was happy if I had $50 in a bank. I was happy if the last check I wrote didn't bounce. But I was still faithful. Regardless of where you are, regardless of your highs and lows, you remain faithful. And I promise you God is going to see you through this. He'll give you wisdom on what to do, what not to do. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 23, it says, Be sure you know how your sheep are doing and pay attention to the condition of your cattle. Now, you may wonder what in the world I mean by that. Pay attention to your own life. Know what's going on. Don't get yourself overextended. Take care of your sheep. Take care of your cattle. Take care of your wife. Take care of your kids. Take care of the things you find important in your life. You better give them high priority in the way you take care of them. Because if you don't take care of them, you either lose. Stewardship of what we have now. Know your flocks and herds. Know your kids. Know your wife. Those are the fields that you have. Even your own life. How are you viewing your life? Do you view everything that you have as a loss? probably not many things that you've been through my wife haven't been through the same you're just there right now you haven't got to a different place yet in thinking or trusting but I, I remember credit cards we never had one maxed out but I remember having about $6,000 on the credit card I know other than we had about thirteen or $1,400 on it. From the outside, we all look pretty good, I guess, when you have those things going on. There's a lot of things in life sometimes that it gets really discouraging. for you and he had a plan for me I am no different than any of you matter of fact most of you are a lot more talented than what I am a lot more gifted than what I am maybe you come from a, a different kind of family that could push you on through a lot of things that I didn't have but maybe there's a problem in your life with stewardship it may not be money it may be your time 
You're not guarding your heart with your time. Your family is neglected and everything else takes priority. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life. You see, it's also being a good steward of those who come to the place of knowledge and knowing that they can't do it on their own. Father, I pray sometimes we get hung up on the term stewardship and we just think about finances. Well, I know, Lord, in my life and other people's lives here, there's a lot of things that get out of hand. It's nothing to do with finances. It has to do with stewardship of time, their relationship with their wife, their relationship with their kids. Things would get a mess in a hurry. And Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their heart. Pride can be a good thing, but also can be a detrimental thing. the most rewarding times I've had around an altar is when I was extremely honest with the Lord. Nobody had to go with me. My wife didn't have to go with me. Just something I needed to break through in.